0: Welcome to Danny Houlihan's Irish Experience podcast. Join Danny on a journey through the historical island of Ireland, its people and the wild Atlantic Way, which is Ireland's last frontier. Experience the music and the culture that makes up the longest coastal driving route in the world. Now, please welcome your host, Danny Houlihan. Cade me la welcome to my Irish experience, here on the Wild Atlantic Way in North Kerry, Ireland. In this episode, I will relate the history I have researched to date of just a couple of shipwrecks that lie under the watery Shannon, and what remains to be seen along the rugged Shannon coastline near Beal Cianndiha on the Wild Atlantic Way in North Kerry, Ireland. The Wild Atlantic Way is the home of some of Ireland's most scenic, rugged coastal landscapes, Indeed, Ireland's last frontier. A frontier which comprises of massive high rugged cliffs and huge waves that collide relentlessly on the Irish coastline. Set within this ever-changing sea and rugged coastline are its people who make their living from the sea and those who bravely sail the high seas to import and export goods abroad. Within this experience, I will paint a picture and a tapestry of the brave and the opportunist, who sailed the high seas into our North Kerry coastline and the Shannon Estuary, but failed due to the force and might of the massive waves of the wild Atlantic Way, which with the actions of storms and gales drove ships onto the rocks and the great sandbar of Beale, resulting in crews and their ships being lost to the sea forever. How we know about these events and famous wreck locations are through handed down words and tales of what happened by our ancestors over the decades. Indeed, around many a warm fire on an Irish wintry night. Also through newspaper accounts which recorded these events and happenings. It should be noted that information from these old sources unlike like all other aspects of our history are open to interpretation as I have found out over the years during the course of my research. It should be noted that some reports that were submitted to newspapers of the time, I should say with the best possible intentions, were submitted on occasions by a person or persons who were not local and had just heard the story from a second or third source. Thus the content was out slightly or not correct. In this story it should be noted that I consulted newspapers of the times and the stories which were handed down through the years to me. All have a mix of fact and indeed myths which adds more to the story. On one occasion the ship's crew survived in the area but another account by locals have related that the sailors died and were buried locally. This should always be taken into account with these old stories. On a Sunday night of the 30th day of November in the year of 1834 the Shannon Estuary in North Island was illuminated by a stormy moon. A silhouette of a two-masted sailing ship brig called the Thetis could be seen making her passage to safety on the Shannon Estuary. The Thetis, on that fateful night, was captained by a man by the name of Young Husband. The ship's tonnage was 227, flying a British flag. The Thetis had made its passage across the Atlantic from Quebec and Canada, and was laden with a cargo of pine timber. What started out as a quiet voyage developed into a relentless barrage of storms, with high waves batting the ship. The exhausted crew during the tempest and hazardous voyage from Quebec had kept the sailing ship under control. As the Thetis proceeded up the river against the scenic backdrop of Bramore Cliffs, the thatched houses of Dune and Beale could be seen clearly in the moonlit night. Tragedy, however, was soon to unfold, of the ship and its crew. Just as the Thetis was within range of shelter, large high rolling white waves rolled in from the mouth of the Shannon, battering the ship, driving it onto the famous Beale Bar. The relentless tide battered and snapped her high masts and rigging. Some of the crew were swept overboard into the cold Shannon waters, while others clung onto the ship's stern for their lives with the hope of being saved. According to local sources, who have stated that Her Majesty's Coast Guard on Lookout Hill at Beale Coast Guard Station were monitoring the situation, and were on the scene, as were local people who ran frantically from their thatched houses in Beale with paraffin lamps in their hands to the shoreline in the darkness to assist the stricken crew of the Thetis. Sailors that were on the watery deck of the Thetis that fateful night summoned the courage and jumped into the icy waters of the Shannon Estuary and swam ashore in freezing water temperatures. But nine souls perished that night. As an act of kindness, the local people from Beale brought the stricken survivors back to their homes to take care of them and afforded hospitality to them, which I should state that even to this day the people of Beal and along the coastline still afford a welcome to all who visit the area. Days after the event, the remains of the lost crew were washed ashore near Beale and the Cliffs of Duneen. Locals again, in an act of decency, retrieved the bodies of the sailors from the shoreline and dug graves and buried them, according to local sources at Lysna Duneen Fort, where they lie to this day. On the site, stones marked their final resting place, weeks after the thesis being wrecked on Beale Bar. The surviving crew and captain, young husband, who had been given food and shelter, were regarded by many as heroes. However, the story takes on a new turn. During the salvage operation to save the ship's cargo by a ship called the Garion, the salvage crew discovered deep within the Thetis a concealed consignment of illegal tobacco, not registered or part of the ship's cargo. The crew went from being saved heroes to convicts, with military arriving into the area, placing the entire Thetis crew under arrest, then marched the crew along the coastline of Beale onto Tarré on their way passing the wreck of their beloved ship, the Thetis. The decaying wreck of the Thetis can be seen in view from the car park in Beale, depending on weather conditions, about 250 yards from Ciondéhe. What's left of the Thetis is his keel, a few broken wooden ribs of this once famous ship, as she lies buried in the sands of time. The Shannon will take the Thetis eventually and will join its lost sailors to the deep fathoms of the Shannon Estuary and the Wild Atlantic Way. I have visited the remains of the Thetis over the years, and it always makes me think of that night and the crew. At Ciondíha and Beale, there is a car park for visitors, and the discovery point for the Wild Atlantic Way, with a history for all to see where the famous event took place. But in the minds of the locals, the Thetis still sails the Shannon on cold, moonlit, wintry nights. Now, as I stated, at the start of the story, what was said and what was reported differ in the Limerick Chronicle newspaper of the time. It mentions the Thetis, but the story changes from the original. Quote, We lament to announce that accounts reached down last evening of the loss of the fine brig Thethys, of and for this port from Quebec. Timber laden, the property of Francis Spate, Esquire, the account has it that she foundered on Monday night or early yesterday morning upon Beale Bar in the Shannon, when the wind blew furiously from the west. The vessel's boat was cast ashore at Tarbert. This morning we receive further intelligence in a more accurate shape. The master, young husband and crew are safe and it is hoped the vessel and cargo will be preserved. She lies inside Bail Bar and as the weather has now moderated we trust the loss may not be great. The master continued fast by the vessel although when most of the crew had deserted her. Unquote. Another quotation given. Quote, Caledonia Mercury, Edinburgh, Monday, December 8th, 1834. Limerick, December 5th. The Thetis, young husband from Quebec, to this port is still on shore on Beale Bar and discharging her cargo, nearly all of which is expected to be saved. The vessel is reported to be much damaged. Unquote. Obviously, from our first story, Contraband Tobacco is not mentioned or the fact that some of the crew went overboard and lost their lives, and washed up locally and buried locally days later. The newspaper report stated that the captain stayed fast on the ship, but the crew deserted her. Interesting. When our first story mentions some of the crew swam ashore. Another interesting point was the ship's boat was washed up in tampered. Why was it not used on the night, or was it washed away on the night due to the storm? The Thetis should be preserved for future generations to enjoy, and to connect with the past and hand on this precious wreck to the future to explore and appreciate its hidden history. Now we will take a break. Put on the kettle, have a cup of tea or coffee. I will be back after this short intermission. Oh, you can't beat a hot cup. I hope you enjoyed the Thetis as much as I have. Even to this day, when I visit the wreck, it is special and still poses questions. Now we board the Premier, another phantom ship of the Shannon on the Wild Atlantic Way. Sunken shipwrecks and their forgotten crews are still in the memory of the people of Beale and the Shannon Estuary. Now sanded and buried by time, under fathoms of water, the history remains. Phantom ships sailed the Shannon. On a cold Saturday night, on the 26th day of November, 1898, at 9pm, the 537-tonne SS Premier, under Captain Murray and his 17 crew, sailed into the Shannon Estuary towards Beale, Narkerry, Ireland, Laden with a cargo of sugar from the port of Hamburg, en route to the port of Limerick. The shipment was consigned to a Mesosteles of Limerick. Murray and his crew decided to drop anchor just off the island of Scatri or Inishkahig on the Shannon Estuary. That night, the captain and his crew slept in peace and waited until the morning tide to proceed up the river to the port of Limerick. On the morning tide of the 27th, the anchor was drawn from the depths of the Shannon Estuary and the SS Premier proceeded slowly up the river, passing the island of Scattery under steam. The crew of the Premier on board were happy that a long shore break awaited them. This was not going to be the outcome. The Premier was proceeding under steam as the sails were not used due to the prevailing northeast wind. Another ship enters the story, the Mermaid. The Mermaid was at this time making its outward voyage from the port of Limerick and was relieving the paddle steamer, the Shannon, which at that time was being repaired at port. From reports of the time, it has been stated that the captain and crew were about to get their long-awaited shore leave as well. The weather was clear with an east wind as Captain Murray steered the SS Premier up the estuary. In fact, it was stated that the weather was tolerable fair-sea running at the time. It is not clear what happened next. From the reports Captain Murray spots the mermaid coming in his direction. He then sounds the alarm with a whistle, alerting the crew, but it was too late. The 150-ton mermaid collided and hit the Premier port side, penetrating up to 12 feet into the ship's hull, causing the cold waters of the Shannon Estuary to flow in and cripple the steamer. Quickly. Abandoned ship orders were given by the captain, with two lifeboats lowered from the deck of the Premier. The crew abandoned ship in the estuary. Within minutes, the SS Premier sank beneath the waves of the Shannon to a depth, according to sources, of 17 fathoms. The Mermaid crew also abandoned ship, but according to reports of the time, returned and brought the ship slowly back to the port of Limerick. The crew of the Premier were later brought on board the SS Vanda under command of Captain Walton, which was en route to Limerick with a cargo of flour for a Messrs Maguire. In port, the crew were taken care of by the local Mariners' Society. At the time, there was no inquiry held, according to reports of the period, as no pilots were used in the steerage of the vessel into the port. There was depositions made by boat crews at the courthouse on the Monday following the collision. The underwriters paid in full for the loss of the SS Premier. No salvage was carried out on the wreck due to the depth of 17 fathoms and the nature of the cargo of sugar which was lost. The fact that when the Premier sank the steamer lay under 60 foot of water in an area which was not at that time going to cause a hazard to navigation of the shipping lane. Thus, the SS Premier was not entered in the harbour records, as the steamer was not subject to pilot or harbour dues. The sugar boat, the SS Premier faded into the memory and the fathoms of the Shannon Estuary. In 1978, according to the Limerick Harbour Commissioners, a wreck was uncovered by sonic investigations. Later, dives to the estuary bottom by a diver by the name of John Power would find a brass bell lying on the estuary, engraved with the name Premier, and a plate with the name of the ship's builder, John Shearer and son, Shipbuilders Glasgow. Lines of London were contacted, and the research showed it was indeed the SS Premier. One of the phantom ships of the Shannon Estuary was found. A few facts about the SS Premier. The paddle steamer was built in 1894 by a Scottish shipbuilder called John Shearer and son, Glasgow. The Premier was owned by Messrs. J. Simpson. The ship was five hundred and thirty-seven tonne gross. The steamship was one hundred and seventy-five foot long with a twenty-five foot beam. Ten feet ten inches draft. The Premier was ten foot ten inches draft and was rigged as a three masses schooner. The one hundred and fifty three tonne mermaid was built in eighteen sixty four in Glasgow by Messrs. Twingate and Company. The Mermaid was owned by the Waterford Steamship Company and was 161 foot long, 19 foot beam and she drew 8 feet under the command of Captain Cotter of Waterford. The research I have presented on the Premier is from a number of sources such as Lloyd's registers, accounts in the Limerick Chronicle dated Tuesday 29th of November 1898 also thanks to the Limerick Harbour Commissioners who I contacted on the 24th of January, 1992. Indeed, it should be stated that the Shannon Estuary is a deep river with tidal changes, very deep within the mud and many wrecks, not even found to this day, testament to a great glorious maritime past. Modern sonar in the future will uncover more hidden wrecks, which will give us all an appreciation of our maritime history along the wild Atlantic Way. To our show. Through its people, its heritage, and its rugged coastline, this is truly Danny Houlihan's Irish experience. Bye for now.